0: Hey, Malachi here, pastor and founder of Life's Word Ministry. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that what you hear will encourage, enlighten, and enrich your life. You know, it's our endeavor to share a word with you that will help you to live hope and change, to draw you closer to our Heavenly Father, as well as strengthen your walk with Christ, using the Word of God as our foundation. I can't thank you enough for listening and sharing our podcast with others. And now, here's today's message. Greetings to one and all. I'm Pastor Malachi. Welcome to Life's Word Podcast. Let's pray before we get started, shall we? Father, we thank you for what we're about to hear through the word of God. Lord, I thank you for all of the listeners that follow and support us faithfully. Thank you, Lord, for your word that we are going to hear on today. God, I pray that your spirit dwells among us. God bless those that are in need today. Continue to heal those that are sick, those that are broken hearted. Lift them up in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we go through lifestyle changes, life altering changes, be with us. Lord, bless those that are in between making a hard decision in life. Give them The wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge that they need to make a good decision. We thank you, Lord, for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I have had several lifestyle changes over my adulthood. Some good, some not so good. Some I caused and others I allowed. But with every lifestyle change, I've had to replace many of my bad habits with good ones. I've had to move away from the things and even the people that resulted in my bad habits. Just like eating healthier, you have to move away from eating whatever you want and whenever you want to eating healthier foods within certain time periods. This lifestyle change, whether it's being around people or doing things that result in a negative outcome, has to either change or stop altogether. And in doing so, your life and your health will start to evidently look better and it'll start feeling better. But watch this. You have to want to change first. The change will not happen automatically. And this is a fact in all aspect of life. If you want things to change, you yourself, you for one have to want to change in order for things to change in your life. I truly believe that the fruit of the spirit functions the same way. It is evident of our lifestyle change. It is not a list of do's and don'ts. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of what Christ through the Spirit is doing in our hearts. And this is what I want to talk about today in our lesson. A lifestyle change. Now, this may sound harsh, but it is factual. We as a people, for the most part, are fat and out of shape. Now, don't be offended. If you're not fat and out of shape, then okay, I'm not talking to you. Now, if you are, then let's do something about that. How is it that we as a people wait until we're fat and out of shape to start getting into shape? Since we've been on this stay-at-home mandate, I've seen a lot more people out walking than I've ever seen before. And I know it's because people aren't going to work. So now they have to get out and go walking. And many of them that I see are extremely overweight. And this should be our regular lifestyle to exercise and to eat right. Not only to have more energy, but to improve our health. Sure, jobs today require sitting all day. And that in and of itself can be harmful to our health. And they tell us if we're sitting a long period of time, we need to get up and walk around to allow the circulation to flow. It's very important to know and understand that getting into shape isn't just about going to the gym and getting on the treadmill. But in fact, it involves a total lifestyle change in our lesson we will be coming from Galatians 5, 1 through 17. And within these passages of scriptures, we find three highlighting headlights in which the Apostle Paul addresses to the believers in Galatia. And the three headlines are Christian Liberty, verses 1 through 6. The next one is love fulfills the law in verses 7 through 14. And the third one is walking in the spirit. Verses 16 and 17. Now, these are not our key points. I'll give you the key points right after this. These are just three highlights that we see in Paul's Letter And it reads as follows. If you're going to follow along, I'm reading from Galatians 5, 1 through 17. The first heading here in Paul's letter is Christian liberty. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Then he goes on. He talks about love fulfills the law in verse seven. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, Beware lest you be consumed by one another. And the last heading is walking in the spirit. In verse 16 he says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. May God bless you that hear his word. Now, let me give you the three key points in our lesson today. The first point is, point number one is, sin is personal and social. Galatians 5.13, sin is personal and social. Point number two is, the fruit of the Spirit is personal and social. Verses 14 and 15. The fruit of the spirit is personal and social. And point number three is the center of the church is personal and social. And that's verse five, verses 16 and 17. The center of the church is personal and social. Now let's, let's move into this a little deeper here. Point number one, sin is personal and social. You know, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you know that he is not a Westerner who is bound by thinking in terms of individuality over and against the collective. Now, why do I say that? Because we see that Paul is concerned with the life of the collective body of believers in Galatia, as he tells them. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And that's verse 15. Paul then communicates that gratifying the desires of the flesh tear down the human community. And he contrasts these desires with those of the spirit. The activities of the faith that tear down community, activities that for Paul are not rooted in love. Hear me, this is important here. Paul lists in verses 19 through 21 such destructive lifestyle choices as adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, self-ambitions, dissensions, heresy, Envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, all of which we are experiencing today in life. Now, watch this. Each one of these activities leads to not edifying a collective group of people, but to tear them down. This is why Paul exhorts the Galatians to, quote unquote, use not liberty in Christ for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Verse 13. This is also captured in Martin Luther's paradoxical statement. He says, and I quote, A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Freedom is meant to be expressed in loving and serving one another, not expressed in the fleshly activities that destroys the human community. If we would concentrate on loving one another, and sometimes this can be difficult. The Apostle Paul knew that in his role as a spiritual leader of the Galatian Christians, God had called him to navigate the church. But more than that, Paul knew what to navigate his young fellow Christians toward. False teachers among them were trying to convince them to rely on their own works for salvation instead of the grace of God that poured out on them in the person of Christ Jesus. This right here, Paul could and would not ignore. Point number two, the fruit of the Spirit is personal and social you know probably the most memorable verse in this lesson is those that list the fruit of the spirit and i say quote unquote fruit of the spirit fruit results from planted seeds when seeds grow they bear fruit fruit represents outward visible behavior And every child of God and those that are leaders should embrace this marvelous list of inward qualities. People over the years have mistaken this to say fruits. And it's actually singular, fruit. Our fruit of the Spirit is one piece with many different characteristics. So, you say you want to lead. Here are nine questions to determine your capability and ability to lead others. And they are based on the nine fruit of the spirit. Let me give them to you. Hope you write this down. Number one, we're going to go through the fruit of the spirit, but here are nine questions to determine your capability and ability to lead others. Number one is love. Is my leadership motivated by love for people? That's important. If you're going to lead, you have to love. You have to be motivated by love for people. Number two, joy. Do I exhibit an unshakable joy regardless of the circumstances? When you're going through, are you exhibiting an unshakable joy or is your joy shaken? Number three, peace. Do people see my inward peace and take courage? When they see your inward peace, do you even have inward peace? People will take courage in you as a leader if they see that you have peace. If you don't have peace, the people that's following you won't have peace. Number four, long-suffering. Do I wait patiently for results as I develop people or goals? How patient are you for results? Or do you just rush into decision-making? because your results aren't coming fast enough. But as you develop people and your goals, you have to be patient for the results. Number five, kindness. Am I carrying an understanding toward everyone I meet? Are you a social butterfly, as they say? When people see you, they just see kindness in your eyes. Your smile is inviting. Number six, goodness. Do I want the best for others and the organization? Do you really want the best for others or is it all about you? Is it about your ministry or is it about the ministry that God has given you? Is it about the organization or is it all about your program? Number seven, faithfulness. Have I kept my commitments to the mission the mission you're on are you committed to it are you keeping those commitments as when you first started number eight gentleness is my strength under control can I be both tough and tender you know there's a time to be tough and there's a time to be tender is your strength As a leader, under control, can you control your temper? Sometimes it's hard for me to control my temper when I'm pushed into a corner. Especially when I'm trying to stress a point or an idea and I know that the person is wrong and it's hard for me to back down when I know that person is wrong and they're admitting they're right and all facts prove they're wrong. It's hard for me to back down. And I have to work more on that as a man, as a leader, to be more in control and know when to be tough and know when to be tender. That's important for us. Number nine, self-control. Am I disciplined to make progress toward my goals? How disciplined are you in your goals? Are you disciplined? Do you have a set time that you sit down and go over your goals? And what type of progress are you making in reaching those goals? And these are important. Now, based on how you answered these nine questions will determine your ability to lead effectively. The headline of love in the list of the Spirit's fruit is due both to the centrality of love within New Covenant ethics and its being the most important defense against the fractional infighting that seems to be racking the Galatian churches. As New Testament scholar Douglas Moo suggests, when believers walk by the fruit of the Spirit, they edify the collective body of believers and nullify the works of the flesh. Now the spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Each one of these activities leads to the collective life of a body of believers being healthy. Relationships are Predicated upon trust for one another. You have to have trust for one another in order to be in a strong, healthy relationship. If there's no trust, the relationship breaks down. The fruit of the spirit produces that trust by binding us one to another in the spirit of love. Paul states that the definitive defeat of the flesh is conditioned on the response of the believer. Let me say that again. The definitive defeat of the flesh is conditioned on the response of the believers. As stated in verse 24, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. As believers, we must understand that while the Spirit encourages us collectively and personally towards better Christian living, We must make our personal and collective responses to the call of the Spirit to live a life worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus. Is your call of the Spirit to live a life worthy of your calling in Christ Jesus? Point number three. The center of the church is personal and social. Here, there is something within each of us that tempts us to believe that we need to add something to God's perfect plan of salvation. I don't know why that is. To believe that with our own efforts, we just aren't going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. This remains just as true today as it was in the days of the first century church. In our lesson, Paul attempted to correct the errant course the Galatians had chosen by pointing out that no one can add anything to what Jesus already has accomplished on the cross. No one can do a single thing to make themselves more acceptable to God. It doesn't matter how many doors you knock on weekly or how many people you baptize in Jesus name. You know, I made mention that God had called Paul To navigate the church. To navigate means to make course corrections. To steer towards something. Godly leaders know they are to navigate their people to one thing and one thing only. The Lord Jesus Christ who died for their sins on the cross. Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. Paul has argued that the role of the spirit is central to Christian living in chapter three, verse four, he says, have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, the spirit fulfills God's promise that he will transform the hearts of the people in the eschatological age, producing among them those character traits that please God and build up his people. The Spirit is the power that inaugurates the Christian existence that was talked about in chapter 3, verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. As mentioned earlier, Paul explains to the Galatians that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. The Galatians are coming from pagan backgrounds where the flesh and its passions are, watch this, highlighted as virtues. Paul is explaining that there is a connection between the role that the spirit plays in the life of the believing community to how the believing community crucifies the self-centered desires of a person or community. In other words, a self-centered Christian community is not a Christian community. Because it will not bear fruit of the spirit that is the marker of a Christian community. This was touched on in one moment of Jesus' teaching. He said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John 13, 35. A self-centered Christian community is like saying, I'm a Christian and don't live a life that is Christ-like. Hello? Hello? How can I say that I'm Christ-like, which is to be a Christian, and not live my life reflecting him that has saved me from my sin? Oh, I get it. It's just a religious tag that we wear because, after all, everyone today seems to be saying that they're Christian. People are claiming one thing and their life is proclaiming something entirely different. Being a Christian and being saved may be one and the same, but they hold two totally different philosophical and spiritual meanings. You can't walk around saying that you are a Christian, not living a saved lifestyle. In order to have a saved lifestyle, you are Christ-like. The name Christian doesn't bear any power, doesn't bear any weight. It's just a religious tag. I'm a Christian. Oh, are you saved? And then it gets silent. See, that's the difference of knowing who's really a follower of Christ, a believer of Christ, a child of God. Yeah, that's our religious heading, Christian, because we are not of the pagan world any longer. Once you receive Christ, you are now of the Christian faith. But to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. Is your lifestyle like that of Christ? You know, people that are saying they're Christians, but they're still cursing, they're still partying, they're still sinning. That's not Christ-like. And people get real touchy-touchy when you start hitting on their lifestyle and they're saying and proclaiming that they're Christians. The first thing they say is, well, don't judge me. Well, we're not judging you. We're going by the fruit of That we see on your tree. The fruit on your tree says lemons. But your mouth is saying. Apples. No. We're telling you we see lemons. So we're not judging you. We're stating a fact. I can talk on that one quite a while. Because as Christians. We need to understand. The importance of saying. What we are. And doing what we are and living what we are. Do you live what you say you are? In closing, there was a movie called Wall Street back in 1987 starring Michael Douglas. And he portrayed a corporate big shot named Gordon Gecko who claim to have all the answers to American prosperity. In a classic scene in the movie, Mr. Gecko states, The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed will save the other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. I remember that statement very well. Michael Douglas killed it. This statement is the mark of the American experience in the sense that we are motivated by our unchecked passions and desires whether they are for wealth, power, unbridled sexual expressions, gluttony, lust for material goods, etc., etc., etc. Greed in all of its forms, is the primary manifestation of the fruit in our American context. This sort of orientation toward life has riddled our society with all sorts of strife and inequality. The question now that the church must answer in the 21st century is this. Will we continue to be chaplains of the empire? And its ways of living. Or will we be prophets of resistance, proclaiming the kingdom of God and new ways of being human centered in the ethic of love? That's something to think about. The works of the flesh produce all manners of strife and discord and the works of the spirit produce love and unity. Let me say that again. The works of the flesh produce all manners of strife and discord. And the works of the spirit produce love and unity. If the person you're with isn't producing love and unity, then they're in the work of the flesh. We must move away from thinking of our Christian walk in individual terms. Rather, we must read scripture and live out our lives from a collectivist standpoint. Now, earlier, I talked about embarking on a healthy journey. The key is that we are all, and we should, be embarking on this journey with one another, and not separately for our health and for our spiritual well-being. The fruit that is born from our dedication will be evident one another and improve our relationship with one another likewise the christian journey is to be lived out in the context of a communal relationship the fruit that the spirit bears throughout the christian walk must be evident in edifying of the christian community and not regulated to the private spheres of our lives i want to offer you an opportunity to have a lifestyle change. Pray with me as I pray this prayer for you. Heavenly Father, I come to you admitting that I am a sinner in need of rescuing. Right now, I choose to turn away from my sin and turn to you. I ask you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I desire to be set free right now from my own selfish desires of wanting to live my life without you. And I ask you to forgive me. I believe that your son Christ Jesus died on the cross to take away my sins. I also believe that he rose again from the dead so that I might be forgiven of my sins and made righteous through faith in him. I call on the name of Christ Jesus and I confess him to be my Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus I choose to follow you and I ask you to fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that you heard my prayer and I believe that you've forgiven me of my sins. I declare that right now I am a child of God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me as declared in Galatians 2.20. I am free from my sin and I'm full of the righteousness of God. I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, I welcome you to the family of God. From this moment on, start learning how to live a life of faith by finding a good Holy Spirit-filled Bible-taught church so that you can grow in your faith as you walk the pathway of Christ. You know what? I would love for you to write to me, share your story of faith, and let me know that you said yes to Jesus. Email me at lifeswordministry at gmail.com. You know, I would like to take this time to thank those of you that partner with us by sowing a financial seed into this ministry regularly. We are a listener-supported podcast, and your generous giving, it allows us to share the gospel throughout the world. If you're not a partner and you would like to sow into this ministry, you certainly can. You can go to paypal.me forward slash life's word ministry. And if you would like to receive a copy of my new book, Pathway to Christ, one, you can go to amazon.com and purchase it there. Or if you would like a personally autographed copy, you can go to paypal.me forward slash Malachi 660 forward slash twenty. But make sure you include your mailing address so we'll know where to mail it to. A lot of people, they go ahead and purchase a book, but they don't put their mailing address. And what we'll do, we'll put you on a list, and I will autograph your book, and then we'll go ahead and we'll mail those out to you. And we'll pay the shipping for you, so you don't have to worry about paying for the shipping. And be sure to subscribe and follow us right here on Word Podcast. And remember, God loves you, and I do too. Well, that concludes our podcast for today. I trust you were blessed and enjoyed what you heard. Be sure to tune in again right here on Life's Word Podcast.